going on everybody it's the man on fire john sablon and if it feels like it's been a hot minute since we've talked it has um which is why i kind of have to do this intro uh, into this next true faith real talk uh episode with avera maria santo just because it's been quite some time since uh i've been able to release uh, a podcast and a video and really just you need to just kind of reconnect with my viewers, with my listeners, and let you know what's been going on. Uh, the episode with the Vera Maria Santo, I'm really excited about. It's something that we were planning to release in earlier uh, 2019 of this year. We actually recorded it in 2018, and then um, due to scheduling issues, and then I got into Exodus 90, which was the 90-day journey in the Lenten season. And then on top of all that, I um, transitioned not from one job but to two different jobs within the last year and you know just being a full-time husband father uh, having a full-time secular job ministry just kind of fits in Um, those of you out there probably know what I'm talking about and World Ablaze itself my apostolate has four conferences that we throw so that takes time and then my own my own speaking ministry of course between travel and preparation and retreats and all of that and keynotes um just takes time so my apologies if it's been um some time just giving you a break really i'm just letting you fast from you know me the man on fire um true faith real talk but i'm super excited about this episode avera maria santo is a uh, soon-to-be 23-year-old Catholic woman who is faced with the the cross of same-sex attraction. And, um, you know, she's on the same Speakers Bureau uh, as I am on Third Millennium Media. She, We have a mutual friend in Deacon Harold Burke-Sivers, and I've come to know this young lady just in her desire to truly uh, embrace the cross and really unify herself with our Lord and his own suffering and also to live out a vibrant dynamic but orthodox faith and a commitment to living a chaste life regardless of her vocation regardless of whatever she may be facing um, we're all called to that by the way and um, I was just really impressed with her and I'm excited that to, to have this podcast that will be airing on September 20th uh, obviously you'll be hearing it those of you who are listening to this intro are listening to it right after this um, but it'll be airing on uh, September 20th and I'm also bringing her for a, a conference and so I'm going to be releasing those details soon enough um, but she'll be coming to the Northern California area so just really excited to introduce my viewers to her to her who don't know her um, and excited for you to listen to this podcast and so just keeping it real and raw as you know we do on True Faith Real Talk and just really talking about an issue that's a pretty hot issue in today's um, culture uh, both inside and outside of the church a very a, a huge topic on the issue of homosexuality same-sex attraction and what to do with that right what is love hashtag love wins kind of stuff so um, it, it's my honor and my pleasure to welcome uh, my sister to this show. So stay tuned. Um, hopefully, no promises. I'm going to try to get back on a consistent recording schedule. Um, but if you could just keep me, my postulate, both as a as an individual speaker and evangelist, as well as World Ablaze, of course, and my family in your prayers, that we try to discern what it is that God's calling, we'd greatly appreciate it. And um, know that I'm praying for you all. Um, if you haven't... Uh, yet subscribe to any of my um, social media handles just uh, hit me at at john j sablon and i'll put all that on on 
this video later and um, subscribe to the podcast so you get the series to the YouTube channel and uh, also most especially to um, the prayer petitions I do a holy hour every Friday morning at three o'clock in the morning so I try to take your petitions on Thursday and I take them to my holy hour on Friday so at the very least um, let me pray for you let me pray for you for those you love for the things that you're dealing with so I can just you know be one of those uh, prayer warriors for you so um, enjoy this episode and uh, look forward to seeing more of you more often God bless peace World of Blazing brings you a podcast based on truth, spoken boldly. Join the man on fire, John Sublon, as he takes on issues of faith and culture. Always faithful, always real. This is True Faith, Real Talk, and now the man on fire, John Sublon. And so I want to welcome to the show, Miss Avera Maria Santo. Hey, Avera. Hello, thank you so much for having me. Yeah, thank you for being on um, this show. We, you know, we've been planning this for, for a couple months now, um, trying to figure yeah. out you know, what, yeah, what's the best way to kind of introduce both of ourselves to, e- to each other's uh, listeners and to, to the audience. And you know, I've been um, following you in, in, in large part to, my, to a mutual friend, Deacon Harold Burke Sivers, um, yep. who's, a, who's a, a, a spiritual brother and mentor of mine. And um, you know, one of the things that, I know I just found amazing when we finally connected was, you know, the fact that you're this 22 year old from, from mobile, yeah. or is it mobile, <laughs> right? We were talking mobile. about this mobile, Alabama, mobile. mobile, Alabama, who, um, who, and I don't want to steal your, your thunder, but you know, who is, is one of your crosses you're dealing with is same being same sex attractive as a 22 year old, um, dealing with that in today's culture is absolutely mind blowing. So, um, let's get into kind of a little bit about your story and your background for my listeners and viewers who don't know who you are. Let, let you know, introduce yourself as you would, uh, in, yeah. in your own, in your own <laughs> everyday life. Yeah, so like you said, I'm Avera Maria. I'm 22 years old from Mobile, Alabama, originally born and raised. Um, so Southern Belle by by nature, and just kind of raised in an environment where um, we're actually kind of a weird city in Alabama. Alabama is really Bible Belt, so a lot of people would think Protestant, um, but Mobile is one of those really odd places where we're actually predominantly Catholic. Mm. Um, Mardi Gras was founded in Mobile, so we have that rich French uh, Catholic heritage. Um, So, you know, we have uh, just all these, like, different Catholic churches all over the place, Um, a lot of different Catholic parochial schools. Um, My high school that I went to, Catholic school, when I graduated, I think we had, like, 1,100 students, Mm. you know, which is very, very different. Um, But I was raised in an environment where I learned a lot about my Catholic faith um, all the way through school. I went pre-K all the way through 12th grade um, in Catholic schools. Mm. Um, So I was uh, very, very richly uh, formed in my faith uh, very early, um, which I think is very different and which I thought was very beautiful. Mm. However, um, one of the topics that we didn't really discuss um, hardly at all, actually, was same-sex attraction. Um, so when, you know, I was growing up, whenever 
boys would like throw the term gay around it was mostly them like teasing one of the other boys like for not acting very masculine or you know something like that so i just kind of thought it was this really negative uh term and you know, when I was growing up, not something that I thought I would deal with at all. You know, uh, I, I didn't really, if you had told me maybe 10 years ago that I would eventually be sexually attracted to other women, I probably would have laughed in your face mm-hmm. and been like, absolutely not, <laughs> absolutely not. I'm boy crazy. Like, that's just, that's not ever something that I would deal with. Um, so yeah, it was extremely, uh, difficult for me when I was finally coming to terms with this but luckily for me um my sophomore year of high school was when I really like made my faith my own you know it wasn't just the faith that um, my parents raised me with or the faith that I was taught um that was the truth you know I finally believed that for myself my sophomore year of high school when I went on this fabulous this beautiful retreat um held by my archdiocese um for all of the high school students uh in the archdiocese um so I went there there's three four five hundred catholic high school students all my age um I, at first I thought it was a bit weird, you know, I thought, you know, I shouldn't be here. I'm too cool for this. Like, <laughs> this, is just, this is too much. Um, but I came away, um, with a really, really profound faith and a desire to grow in my faith and to share that faith with others. Um, and I, I really appreciate that that happened now because I really think that Christ revealed himself to me mm-hmm. knowing full well that, the year after was going to be one of the hardest of my life, um, specifically because my junior year of high school, there was this new girl in school. And she was in my religion class of all of my classes <laughs> that she could have been in. Um, and we became really fast friends. But she also, I believe at a football game, came up to me one day and was like, you know you're gay, right? Like, you just give me a gay vibe. And I had no idea what that meant. (laughs) You know, I didn't know what a gay vibe, what gay vibe she was talking about. Um, But at the same time, you know, I'm thinking, am I gay? You know, because I felt a certain way toward her that was so different and was terrifying to me. Mm. And, you know, I just wanted to be, I wanted to be with her all the time. I wanted to mean, I wanted to be her best friend. Like I wanted to be her number one. Like she can have other friends, but I wanted to be like number one on her list. Mm -hmm. And I feel like kind of the more that I grew closer to her, the more physical I wanted that relationship to get, Mm -hmm. which was terrifying to me, which I did not like. And I think she noticed it as well. And, you know, we kind of like would flirt back and forth. And I would feel like this is so wrong, but yet I like it. I enjoy it. You know, like it makes me feel good that she is like showing even mild interest towards me. Mm -hmm. And, you know, she and I eventually grew apart. Um, We're still very good friends, but we eventually grew apart. But, you know, if it wasn't her, it was someone else. And it just, I knew it wasn't something that I was going to get rid of anytime soon. And I had to come to terms with the fact that I just find myself 
romantically, sexually attracted to other women. And it's just something that I have to deal with, something that's probably not going to go away anytime soon. Um, but I did eventually learn that it is something that is not going to keep me from being Catholic. So I can still practice my faith while this being, while this is my cross. Um, you know, and there are going to be struggles that come along with it. And it is definitely one of the heaviest crosses I carry by far. Um, but I say that because it's the heaviest, it's also probably the most beautiful. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's the one that makes me look the most like Christ crucified, um, which is, you know, eventually what's going to lead me to the resurrection. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think it's, I don't think you, it's something that I would say, you know, like just, t- just take this away. I definitely say that sometimes, you know, mm-hmm. where I'm just getting sick of it. Um, but ultimately, you know, I... If it wasn't same-sex attraction, Father Mike Schmitz said this, if it wasn't same-sex attraction, it would be something else. Yeah. So ultimately, I'm going to have to struggle with something. Mm-hmm. And this is just the cards that I was dealt. Um, so the way that I play my hand at this point is just what's going to make or break me ultimately. Yeah, so you know, thank you for being open and, and vulnerable, of course, because that is, that is essentially at your core, right, in the sense of um, the cross that you do bear. But let me go back before we get into kind of that, that junior, uh, uh, junior year experience, you said that the retreat is kind of what did it for you. Was there any, any what specifically, if there was something specifically um, that kind of w- woke up that, that, that flame and that fire in you as, I mean, as a sophomore, right? To, yeah. to truly own your faith. We don't, we don't get that a lot. You know, I, I do a lot of uh, uh, public speaking and uh, the, my core group happens or the core audience, if you will, I, I speak to all audiences, but one of the, the core audiences I deal with is, is youth, right? You, so mm-hmm. essentially that confirmant, that, that confirmation age, mm-hmm. which could be junior high or high school. Um, right. But to, to, you know, to run in, you don't often run into sophomores that are on fire um, necessarily. Right. <clears throat> um, so was there something specific at that retreat that, that did it for you? It was adoration for me. Oh, yes. um, so Friday night, I was like in this weird spot where I was like, these people are really weird. Um, but I, start, I started going to the talks and everything. And I was like, okay, this is pretty cool. Um, but then we had adoration that night. Mm-hmm. And I believe I had been to adoration maybe one other time in my life before this. Um, I don't think I actually knew what it was. Um, so all I see is just this monstrance thing, like on the altar, like all these like lights pointing to it, like it's something special. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then like the praise and worship band, like playing all these like the mood is like really somber, and I, I don't think I really knew what was going on. Um, but I just remember Jesus really um, exposing himself to me mm-hmm. and, um, you know, really just making himself available um, in a way that I had never experienced before in my life. Mm-hmm. And that moment was transformative to me. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I wouldn't say that it was like my St. Paul moment um, because I think that my entire life really has been a series of just small things where God is constantly like drawing me to himself. Mm -hmm. But that was definitely one of the bigger transformative moments. Um, Yeah. I mean, Eucharistic Eucharistic adoration, right. Is like game changer. (laughs) 
So it's like when you said it, I was going to just say enough said, right? That's a mic drop. Right? I, mean, I mean, honestly, that, that is enough said in it, itself. But. It, you know, for those, and here's, a, here's the other thing that's quite interesting, being the fact, and this is for, especially for those involved in Catholic education. If my girl here, Avera, maybe <laughs> had been to adoration once and she went through K through 12 Catholic yeah. education, mm-hmm. I know personally, because I'm a revert to the faith, uh, mm-hmm. my wife's a convert, you know, um, adoration for for the people i mean within my own family has been absolutely 100 percent game changer (laughs) so for us not to introduce that to our young people at an early age it's um, a shame it is it's it's a tragedy and it's like and we you know like you said you come in and it's just like i mean there's nothing we you or i or anybody in this in this world of uh, evangelization can do better than our lord in the blessed sacrament yeah. Right. I mean, just it's like, what can I say that <laughs> that our Lord couldn't do just by his very presence? Right. And right. we talk about the true presence and, and what that does. And so, OK, that I, I definitely makes sense. I mean, you've been to some well done retreats and I'm, I'm, I'm glad yeah. to hear that there was a well done retreat for you that it was um, definitely. I mean, even in my own, just as, as a sidebar in our in um, the, I'm a co-founder president of, a, of an apostate called World of Blaze Incorporated, and we do four conferences mm-hmm. a year, a men's conference, a women's conference, a family conference, and a, and a basically a single married vocations conference. Oh, wow. And in all of those conferences, we always fold in the sacraments, right? So we, mm-hmm. we, we fold in the sacrament of reconciliation. There's a, mm-hmm. there's a, there's a holy, uh, there's a Eucharistic holy hour with praise and worship, yep. and then we end with the mass. Right. So yeah. it's like the highest form of prayer for us is, as Catholics is the mass. We start off with the sacrament of healing because everybody needs it. Right. Mm-hmm. And reconciliation. <laughs> and then we put you before our, our blessed Lord in the blessed sacrament of the altar and Eucharistic adoration. And then, boom, now you're ready to fully participate yeah, in the mass. Right. I mean, yeah. so. So anyways, that's that's awesome. I'm, I'm glad that yeah. you didn't even have to say I anymore. I say, too, in that um, before I actually went into adoration, they offered confessions. Mm-hmm. Um, there was like all these priests there and I managed to get in the same line as the priest that is the uh, that was the chaplain at my high school. Um, so I was like, out of all the priests I could have gone to, I get, I get him. Mm-hmm. Um, but actually, the year after, my junior year, um, he was the same priest who I first told that I, I went into his office and was like, I'm gay and I don't know what to do. Mm-hmm. Um, so he, he was the, the same guy. And um, I remember him kind of like chuckling a little bit. Mm. Um, and I'm looking at him like, Father Dan, like this is like an important thing in my life. Like th- my whole world is falling apart. And you're laughing right now. I need you to take this seriously. Yeah. Um, but he just kind of looked at me, um, still chuckling to himself and pure Father Dan fashion. Um, <laughs> but he just kind of looked at me and said, you are so good. Like you are just so, so good. He just keeps repeating this to me and he repeats this to me almost every time I see him. Um, And I I don't think that he gets how important this is, but I had a friend uh, tell me when I told her this story, um, she was saying, so God needed to remind you how good you are. So he sent you some, uh, he sent you a good father and, um, (laughs) and his, his last name is actually good. Um, uh, <laughs> I think that's, that's beautiful, uh, beautiful words, and God has a really funny sense of humor. Uh, uh, providential, <laughs> so, it's providential, right? Absolutely. If you think about it, when you when you reflect back now, and you think, yeah, out of all out of all lines, you could have jumped in, and it's like no, because yeah. this is the first 
step in that step towards right your yeah. own healing or your own strengthening of faith and your own understanding of who you are as a child of god as mm-hmm. i imagine right and you are good yeah. I mean. he became my spiritual director very quickly after that um and i he actually he's he switched parishes so he's a bit far from me now mm-hmm. um but i go to his best friend for spiritual direction and i still I, I see both of them all the time so they're both just they're great spiritual direction is so important that's awesome so now let's yeah. take that back to so here you are in your junior years you you articulated you know you had it that's kind of where it hit you the hardest mm-hmm. uh or i guess i don't want to take i don't want to put words in your mouth but yeah. so then you yeah, have, Okay, so that so you that was when it kind of materialized in a very mm-hmm. real way. So yeah. so then what happens next? So what you know? So here you are saying you're not going to let it keep you from uh, Catholicism and really from. And I loved mm-hmm. your your latest blog. So for those of you who uh, don't subscribe, you know, to is it inside my holy of holies, right? Uh, it is the yes. blog, um, and I'll, I'll I'll put that up there on the uh, we'll we'll put that in the details as well as uh, mm-hmm. on the screen um, for the viewers, but. You know, one of the things and you're talking about in your latest blog is about, you know, just the, the wood of the cross um, mm-hmm. uh, and, and your own journey in battling with this. A lot of people, um, including some some advocates within the church, right, mm-hmm. are, are trying to say, well, no, no, Avera, you actually just just be you. God made yeah. you this way. Um, uh, you know, God wouldn't wouldn't make mistakes. Right. So you were yeah. born this way. Um, what do you now? I know what you have to say because I've read your stuff. Yeah. Right? But, but for those to hear it from you, a lot of things I want to say, but there there could be children watching. Yeah, that's true. 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 That. True. That. Um, but but what what do you say, right? Because there's and for those of you um, again, just to, to get the viewers out there, you need to go to a various blog and I mean she pours out her heart and I you know God bless her for this and I um, again I admire you for that for that cur- you know real courage and the sense of saying look this is my cross. Sure, I could have another cross, but this is the one that I'm given, and I embrace that cross. But I mean, you even have a letter to the bishops, um, that that an open letter to the bishops about it, so so that people can hear it from you. I mean, what do you say to those, even those inside the church, maybe those within your own parish community, your family, your friends, to say, you know, girl, what are you talking about? This is just you. Yeah. Don't you want to be happy? Don't you? I mean, you you deserve to love. All of yeah. those things we hear, right? That we yeah. say. What do it's you? It's so ma- funny how a lot of them say it just like that too. Oh. Like, it's so annoying. Um, yeah, I mean, for one, you know, I call bull for most of it, um, and I think that a lot of it is a false sense of compassion, mm. um, where. Um, I think so, so the way that one parent put it when I was doing when I was at one of my public speaking engagements. One parent, I think, said that it's basically the equivalent of a mother carrying her five-year-old um, and not letting him walk. Mm. Um, when another parent would approach her and say, like, you know, aren't you going to let like let him get down? Like, he's five years old. He should be walking by now. Yeah. Um, and the mother would say, well, I just don't want him to get hurt. You know, I, I just want him to, to stay safe. And I know if he's in my arms, then he's going to be safe. Um you know, but you're actually doing that child a major disservice mm. um, by not giving him the opportunity to learn how to walk. Is it possible that he could fall? Yes, um, but that's part of it. Mm-hmm. You know, that's you know, that's just that's part of um, him learning how to walk. He's going to scrape his knees. You know, he's going to fall down. He's going to cry. Um, but you know, eventually he will start getting back up. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, and I think that it, it's so amazing that I think children aren't necessarily taught to quit. 
Um, Because when you see videos, like, on YouTube of a baby, like, trying to walk, when they fall, they just keep getting up. (laughs) You know, they just keep trying. They keep getting up um, until they eventually, they master it. Mm -hmm. You know, I I don't think quitting is something that's, I think quitting is, is a learned habit. Um, and I, I definitely learned, um, from other people that I should just quit trying to fight my desires or trying to suppress my desires. Um, neither of which I do, you know, (laughs) I'm not actively trying to suppress my desires, um, because I know that suppressing something is the quickest way for the volcano to erupt. You know, the quickest way for me to explode. And I've definitely been in those places where it's just taken its toll on me. And, you know, I eventually erupted. And I hated feeling that way. I hated feeling like there was nothing that I could do, that I was not in control. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, that I was just suffering um, for the sake of suffering, you know. Um, so eventually... You know, after I had this experience my junior year, um, I just kind of kept trying to find my footing, I believe, for the next uh, uh, two or three years. And it came to a point where my, um, I think my sophomore year of college, where I was going to Father Dan for, uh, for spiritual direction. And one of the things that he said is, we need courage. Um, so we need to have a chapter of courage in our diocese. And for those of you who don't know, uh, courage is an apostolate, uh, celebrating its 39th anniversary this year. I think we're coming up on 40 years. Um, it's an apostolate, which is, uh, geared towards, uh, giving pastoral care to Catholics who live with same sex attractions. Um, and then there's a, another branch of it called Encourage, which is for parents, uh, friends, family members um, who love someone that lives with same sex attractions. Um, so, you know, after he had, he and my current spiritual director had formed that chapter, you know, I finally had people in my life um, and as well as in my immediate area mm. who struggled with the same cross that I do, you know, so I was able to talk to them about things. And, you know, I eventually uh, actually started my blog um, because I was uh, tasked with helping the Courage Chapter grow. Um, And so I wanted to just, like, create something where I could, like, share articles and different things um, in between meetings just so we weren't leaving people high and dry. Um, and then, <laughs> to my surprise, more and more people started visiting the blog, uh, actually looking for uh, stuff that I was writing. And um, then my article back in October of 2017, geared toward Father James Martin, uh, actually went viral in the Catholic community, um, which was insane. I was not expecting that to happen. You know, I kind of wrote it to him, just like my article to the bishops. I know that was what my article was about. I didn't think it would actually, like, get... <laughs> I didn't know that it would get that far. Um, So both of those have done very, very well. And it's just been an incredible journey so far. Um, But I think in that, the most powerful thing that I've learned about carrying my cross is that, you know, it, I think I, I, and I'm not saying that I'm perfect at carrying this cross yet. There's definitely times where I stumble and fall and, um, you know, it's just, it's so, so painful so much of the time. Um, 
But at the same time, now other people who carry the same cross know that they're not doing it by themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, and they have uh, other people. And I think I've actually uh, had some mutual friends come together and I think form like a group of, of young, young adult guys um, who are able to talk about um, their attractions. And, you know, they're all around the same age, like early 20s. Mm-hmm. Um, but all who followed my blog and I was able to like introduce them to each other and things like that. Um, so, you know, now I think it's all about like forming community mm-hmm. and being very intentional with friendships, um, which is another thing that courage is very, very good about is forming a community where there are intentional friendships. Um, because I think that, and I just posted a video on YouTube yesterday, the day the day before we're filming this, um, talking about I think the hardest part of having same-sex attractions for me has nothing to do with sex, mm-hmm. but has everything to do with how I interact with my other female friends. Um, because it makes it, it really makes it difficult for me because I'm kind of second-guessing almost everything that I do. Mm-hmm. Um, because... You know, I I know that they know, you know, so I I don't want them thinking that I'm coming on to them or that, you know, I'm flirting in any way or that I'm being weird or just just different things like that. And my some of my good friends, like the friends that I've had for a while, are very, very good about, um, you know, not letting me second guess myself. Because I I think some of them like see the wheels turning in my head where, you know, like I'm very stressing right right now. Um, But, you know, other times it just makes it really difficult to have uh, female friends or even investing intentional time into those friendships um, because I don't want them getting the wrong idea. Mm-hmm. Um, so ultimately it's just a lot of me like pulling back and saying that, you know, maybe I should just like give myself a break or cut myself off because it's just, it's just too hard. Mm. Um, so there's, there's a lot that this cross implies um, there's a lot that the person has to deal with that I think a lot of people don't necessarily think about because, again, it's not something that's talked about. Mm-hmm. So silence is a major killer. Um, and I think that like isolation and silence and all of that is so, so detrimental, especially in this conversation, mm-hmm. um, you know, which is why I do what I do, which is why I write my blog, which is why I travel the country and hopefully eventually the world speaking about this topic, mm-hmm. because it's eventually going to be silence that ruins it. You know, it's, it's already ruining lives and devastating people. Um, because we're not, they feel like they're not able to have that conversation. Um, so I want to be able to at least start the conversation. Mm-hmm. So if I could like get the ball rolling, then you know maybe I would be able to save people a lot of heartbreak um, and save a lot of people from a lot of what I suffered with because so much that I suffered with was suffering in silence. Right. So um, and I don't. Yeah, go well, ahead. I was going to say there's two things I did want to bring up that you that I think um, are good points. One is that 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 concept of suppressing. Right. Yeah. And and this whether you're same sex attracted or not. Right. Whatever it is you're battling with that are uh, crosses. So if that's an addiction, mm-hmm. that's an alcohol addiction, a drug addiction, if that's a, a porn addiction, if that's a whatever addiction. Right. Um, or or a vice that is just seems overwhelming at times. Mm-hmm. The that idea that it, you know like going into diets right i'm just not going to eat 
and and then all of a sudden you yeah. go and binge eat because you're, you're not <laughs> yeah. even feeding yourself with the right things. It, it's mm-hmm. the, the appetite in and of itself isn't the problem. It's when it's mm-hmm. disordered, right? Yeah. Um, and you and you talk about it even your latest your latest post about when we'll talk mm-hmm. about chastity as well. But the mm-hmm. it isn't about suppressing as much as it is as redeeming, right? Yes. And if you think about it from a conforming to the cross, it's redeeming that desire. Mm-hmm. Right. Rather than suppressing that desire and ordering mm-hmm. it rightly. And again, doesn't just us saying that as Catholics or as faithful doesn't make that cross any lighter so much as, yeah. it, as it does. It gives it actual purpose and meaning. And it actually has a salvific effect. Right. When yeah. you're you, when you're when you're a faithful Catholic trying to, to live it out. So that was the first point. The other point you've talked about that's huge in just the faith walk alone, more or less um, w- with what we're talking about as far as being same sex attracted is community right oh my goodness right we were we were we were made out of community right you you figure Mm -hmm. made in god's image and likeness and um we were made for community right and so Mm -hmm. if we're if we're on an island it's just it's it's all bad right it's just gonna end up Mm -hmm. not in our favor and um and like you said you know struggling with this thing here you here you are and and I'm, i'm sure this is where a lot of people that you've spoken to and continue to inspire and give courage and hope think that they're they're really on an island that they're mm-hmm. really by themselves and um you know just because we're here we're d- doing catholic things and doing catholic blogs and doing catholic uh youtube channels doesn't mean that we don't have our share of failures oh, gosh, struggles yeah. matter of fact we we probably need more of god's grace than most people right yeah. because <laughs> absolutely <laughs> uh, because because we're trying to walk you know we're trying to mm-hmm. we're trying to stay close to holy mother church and trying to conform ourselves to christ crucified and um mm-hmm. but but i think those are absolutely two two key points that you're making uh on both just not to suppress but i would you know i would add to that and just say to redeem that desire right mm-hmm. to, yeah people to, think that especially with the community aspect yeah. um so many people think that especially who know me personally um and this was especially true in high school, where I, I, I don't want to say that I was one of the popular kids, but I was definitely one of the people who was most well known in the school, mm-hmm. just because I was an athlete. Um, so, and then um, I was like a lot of the like parochial schools feed into the uh, or feed into the uh, the high school. So I knew a lot of these kids going into high school so i had a lot of friends going into high school Mm. but i also um you know i was just a social butterfly was extremely extroverted was never the type to sit by myself at lunch uh you know i had all these friends all these different groups i was friends with the band kids some of the cheerleaders some of the football players um you know just like black kids white kids hispanic kids asian kids you know i was never i was never sitting by myself you know i was never in a class where i didn't know anybody Mm -hmm. um So a lot of people thought that because everyone knew about me, um, that I had all these friends. Um, but I, I mean, I would bet, uh, like I would bet good money on, uh, the fact that, yeah, I was well known, like everyone knew about me, but no one really knew me. Mm-hmm. So I felt so alone all the time. Like I was one of the loneliest kids um, in high school. And I think that because everybody thought that I had these friends, that there's no way that I could be lonely. And that's true. That's still true to this day. Mm-hmm. Um, I can't, I can't go anywhere. I'll be in a different state and see somebody I know. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so it's just, 
it was so, so difficult for me, um, you know, trying to have these intentional friendships because I was spreading myself so thin, Mm -hmm. like having all of these friends that I wasn't really taking time to really invest in a few relationships. And even now I do that now, um, like my two best friends in the world, um, actually are both, it, it both experience same-sex attractions uh, themselves. Both girls both experience same-sex attractions. Um, but I hardly ever see them because both of them live across the country from me. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, that in itself, like, I spend a lot of time, like, investing in those friendships um, because I think that those are the two that I need the most, especially because we're able to talk about uh, having same-sex desires. Um, but it's so, so hard, like, them not being here mm-hmm. um and it's just it makes life really difficult but you know uh even the friends that i have here even though they don't have same-sex attractions um you know it still makes it so so beautiful um that i'm able to talk to them at times even though they might not understand um they try to to the best of their abilities mm-hmm. but community is, is so so important like i you said a perfectly that we're made from a communion of persons um so we you know we can't get by thinking that we don't need community um and that really goes for everyone you know who's struggling with something and you know the communal aspect um having informing relationships where we can um lay ourselves down and also reveal our hearts to other people it's but I think, like, aside from the sacraments is probably the most important, important thing oh, for, yeah. for people. Oh, totally. So. You think about, and then the other uh, aspect of it is not only just, you know, coming to a place where people, there's understanding, compassion, and um, you can be vulnerable, but it's also about accountability, right? Yes. Like, to be able to say, I mean, I'm going through the, the spiritual exercise of Exodus 90, right? And I'm leading a fraternity mm-hmm. of men, so I don't know if you've heard of it, but it's, I have, yeah, yeah. it's um, you know, we're only, we're only day 11 of, uh, yeah. you know, we've got a long, <laughs> long way to go, but it, it's beautiful for us to even hold each other accountable. Like, hey, you're not supposed mm-hmm. to be doing that. Or, hey, you know, what, you know what's, yeah. what's going on with this, right? And it's like, yeah, I know. And hey, I fell and I didn't do this part of it. And it's like, that's cool, mm-hmm. but we got to get back up, you know, and that's, we're all striving for holiness, right? Yeah. We're all striving t- to grow in personal sanctity, to ultimately, ultimately to become, you know, Christ-like. And I think the community is a way to not only become vulnerable, right, to be able to say, man, I fell, you know, Mm -hmm. I fell. And it's not for us there to, you know, you know, take you to the whipping post. It's about saying, (laughs) no, you know what, Uh, you know, I get it, but let's, what can we do as a community to prevent Mm -hmm. that fall or to, you know, to support you when that is, be a lifeline for you, whatever it may be. And I think that's the other aspect of it is we've got to hold each other accountable because you brought up a good point about that whole false um, uh, false compassion, false charity, yeah. right? That people are, because they can't understand your cross, mm-hmm. the easy, and, 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 and of course the culture is blaring about, you know, it, yeah. it, it just do you, right? Get yours kind of thing. And, um, but because they can, it's like, well, and I don't know what answer to give you because I can't take it away of air. So, so you know what, mm-hmm. just, just, just go with just it. Just do you. Yeah. Just, just go with <laughs> it and go. And it's like, that is false charity because more than anything, whether I knew, know you for one minute or 10 years, I want you to get to heaven. Yeah. Right. That's Absolutely. like, re- that's like real friendship. Like, uh, you know, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a life professed third order Dominican with my wife. And, you know, St. Thomas Aquinas says is, is true love is, is willing the good of the other as other and doing something about it. Yeah. Right? Actually doing something about Definitely. it. Me, 
just coddling you and, and pacifying you uh, in whatever that vice or cross may be just so I can make myself feel better about not confronting you is not is not real charity. Yeah, and that's uh, selfish. It's incredibly selfish. Absolutely. Yeah. So so let's let's talk about because there's two things definitely like, you know, this this <clears throat> topic you have those, as you just pointed out, with the Courage Apostolate. And so for those of you who aren't familiar, I think it's CourageRC dot... Dot org. Dot org. Yeah, dot, it's either dot org. Dot, you just, just look it up. CourageRC um, will we'll get you there. And it's obviously a, a great apostolate and, and a various mm-hmm. a part of it. Um, but that, that deals with two different sets of folks. One is those who are battling with same-sex attraction. And then, of course, those who deal with somebody who's battling with same-sex attraction. Right. Plenty mm-hmm. of people I know, uh, plenty of people you know, who um, are all about being Catholic up until the point it just got personal because their daughter, their sister, their cousin, their friend is now living a homosexual lifestyle. Mm-hmm. And now they're, they're crossing into that. Um, you know, I saw somebody who, um, who's a leader in their church community who was posting some stuff about um, their, it's either their niece or somebody that was getting, uh, is, 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 same-sex attract, but she's getting married yeah. to her partner. Um, quote-unquote married. Yeah, quote-unquote yeah. married. Yeah, exactly. Um, and was all about, this is a leader in the church community, all about promoting that. And I was just like, whoa. Right? Um, <laughs> yeah. And, and, you know, those are difficult conversations because I get it. So what do you tell somebody in that scenario where they think, right, they're being good family member and I'm just loving that, you know, I'm called to be compassionate and accompany people and not judge yeah. and da 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 And we're going and here somebody who actually is carrying that cross is saying that's false compassion. That's that's yeah. bull. People, uh, they love quoting Matthew 7, 1 and not Matthew 7, 1, 2, 3. Yeah. <laughs> you know, Matthew 7, 21. Not judge yeah. part yeah. Um, without, uh, without reading the rest of it. Um, and first of all, I think like even before giving like tactical advice or what I would say to those people, mm-hmm. the first thing that I would say is I get it. You know, you're hurting like this is someone that you love. Um, you know, you want to support this person. You don't want to lose this person because that is a very real, um, that's something that the LGBT community does really well. They say like, if the person is not all for you, if they are not fully committed to, um, supporting everything that you do, every step that you take, every action that you partake in, then they are 100% against you and you need to cut that person off. And that is so terrifying. That's so scary. And I understand that. Like, I 100% I get it. Like, you don't want to lose this person. You want to love this person. Um, but here's the thing. Th- this is, this is uh, the, the one gospel story that I think is really fitting um, for this is um, the story of the woman caught in adultery. I absolutely love this story where, you know, this woman is caught in a sinful act and she's brought before Christ. All these men crowded around her um, and they're about to stone her. You know, they are taking something that she's done and slapping it on her face and they only see that. They don't see the broken heart that she had to have in order to let herself be used in that way. And to allow herself to use other men in that way, 
you know, so that's really who she thinks she is, honestly, at this point, most likely is she's plastered that identity on herself as well. And I can't help but imagine that people in the LGBT community feel that way, um, especially when we as Christians fall short in accompanying accompanying them. Um, So she's brought before Christ, they're about to stone her and Christ you know, looks at her and says, whoever is without sin, cast the first stone at this woman. Mm -hmm. You know, like whoever among you is perfect, be the first to stone her. And what happens? They all walk away. Mm -hmm. And Christ is the only one left standing. You know, the Christ is the only one that's still there. And he very well could have stoned her because he's perfect. (laughs) You know, he's the only one still there for a reason. Um, but he says, look and see if there's anyone left here to stone you. And, of course, there's no one there. And he says, well, neither do I condemn you. But he does not stop there. Mm-hmm. That is not the last word that he has. The last word that he has is go and sin no more. Mm-hmm. And ultimately, that's what we have to call people to. You know, there needs to be compassion. There needs to be authentic compassion. Um, but there also has to be a call to conversion in that. Mm-hmm. And I don't necessarily think that it would be us going up to people and saying, go and sin no more. But it can be, um, you know, just very open, honest, raw conversations. Mm-hmm. You know, um, ultimately, I think I've, I've asked a person um, who identifies as LGBTQ, like, what is it that she want? You know, out of the lifestyle, what do you think that the LGBT community is going to give you? Um, and ultimately, you know, the LGBT community is always going to fall short um, because they don't know the human person. You know, they don't know that um, God is at the center of everything that we want. You know, a lot of times, you know, there will be people who are Christian uh, to some extent in the LGBT community. But, you know, ultimately it's about, you know, what do we want? And we get it. You know, we go out there and we try to get it. Um, and... Oftentimes, I've heard it defined that authentic human freedom is the ability to do what someone ought to do, mm-hmm. not as they want to do, mm-hmm. um, because what we want might not always be what's best for us. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know that we know that acting on uh, same-sex desires is not what's best for us, but, you know, they may not. And, again, we might lose them along the way. They might cut us off, but... You know, when the LGBT community falls short, when the rug is pulled up from under people, and this is, I've seen this happen with a lot of my friends who have eventually like reverted to the faith or converted to Catholicism, is the rug was pulled up under them. You know, they realized that the LGBT community was falling short for them, that those ideals, those premises, like those, that theology really is always going to fall short. And they realized that there was something real in the arms of the church, that mother church was preaching something very real, something very authentic, something that might be hard to hear, Mm. but at the end, it's true, you know, and, you know, the truth is ultimately what's going to set us free, Mm -hmm. and hearing that my desires were intrinsically disordered was not easy to hear, um, but ultimately is what I needed to hear. Mm -hmm. It's what eventually allowed me to come to Christ and say, okay, what do you, what do you want me to do with this? You know, what, or not even that, but what do you want to do with this in me? You know, what is it that you can do 
um, in order to set me free, so you know, what, in so order to make would, this cross easier to bear. Yeah. What would you say? You just brought up a good point the cate- in the catechism quote, and this is a big deal mm-hmm. for people like Father James Martin and those who are wanting to change that verbiage, right? That they're, mm-hmm. that, I mean, here you are who somebody who's, that's a big cross. Um, mm-hmm. you, you didn't ask for it. It's, it is what it is. And yet yeah. you're saying, no, I needed to hear that. Right. And in, in, in our today's culture, right, where everyone's just, in my opinion, super soft. Right. Yeah. Um, it, it we're soft. We're soft. We're right. Oh, yeah. We're just, a, you know, everyone <laughs> wants the participant trophy and we're just super soft. Right. We don't want to hear. And I'm like, actually, what I want Avera to tell me is wh- where I'm wrong and how I'm wrong. Right. I don't need yeah. you to tickle my ears and pacify me mm-hmm. or or, yeah. um, you know, uh, lead me towards, you know, the path of sin or hell. Um, that's mm-hmm. not true compassion. So what do you I mean, um, because there is that argument. I mean, we can't lead with that. Right. You can't be. Yeah. I, hey, hey, how you doing? Hey, I, how you doing, John? Good, good. Hey, yeah. you're same sex attract. Yeah, you're totally you're, you're intrinsically yeah. evil and disordered. <laughs> Right. It's I mean, definitely uh, not something to lead with. Right. But um, I mean, what do you say in, the, in that case where, you know, we're faithful Catholics who want to show compassion, who, uh, you know, you talked about the fam- family members are obviously and that's another cross and another difficult yeah, place absolutely. to be, especially if because um, you, you potentially people may see you as a unique scenario too, a very like you're a yeah. you're a person that wants to, to, to stay Catholic, you know, um, I'm definitely in a vast minority. Yeah. So, and I'm very well aware of that. So versus the other ones are like, no, nah, I'm trying to do me and live this out. And I buy into what uh, the devil's telling me. I'm buying into what the culture's telling me. I'm buying into what some of these other people like Father James Martin's telling me. Mm-hmm in the church and then i can see that they can coexist together um that's what we're fighting because it undermines everything i'm saying everything you're saying anything those that are faithful to the church are saying um i mean what do we what do we what do we say right those that are watching now that are probably going to be chatting what's this you know uh when, yeah. when we get online to say but i i hear you but this is what i'm i'm fighting the 800 pound gorilla yeah I mean, ultimately, and I know a lot of people aren't going to like this answer, but I mean, just, just tell us the truth. Mm-hmm. You know, honestly, just tell us that you love us, for one, and because you love us, you're willing to take that risk. Mm-hmm. You know, you are willing to risk even losing us. Um, or, you know, losing uh, maybe that person's respect, mm-hmm. maybe even risking that person taking their love away from you, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. um, which is so, so difficult, so, so painful. And like, I, I've seen this pain written all over the face of, of parents at the, um, at the National Courage Conference. One thing, thing that uh, one of the most heartbreakingly beautiful parts of that entire conference was when they took uh, the courage women. Um, so all the women that are in the courage apostolate, mm-hmm. and then they had the parents or friends or family members from in courage who had daughters or sisters or nieces um, who were living active gay lifestyles or, you know, who uh, had same sex attractions and, um, basically put us in a room together and allowed us to have like this open dialogue, this open conversation. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I have seen that pain in the, 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 the faces of the parents. And it, it is so difficult even just to watch that, mm-hmm. you know, not even to experience that myself. Cause I, I don't even know, I can't even begin to imagine what that pain is like. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, ultimately 
again, when the rug comes up from under people. And there was a a courage woman, I think, who came out of the lifestyle when she was in her 50s. Mm. You know, so it is not impossible. Um, It is never too late for the person to come back. You know, but I think what's going to be so important is that they recognize that someone told them the truth. You know, some even if they never recognize it, which is a very real possibility. You know, ultimately, you're going to do the most right by that person, even if they don't recognize it themselves. You're going to do the most right by that person by telling us the truth, Mm -hmm. by telling us that you love us, by telling us that because you love us to the extent that you do, you are willing to risk us leaving and walking away, um, even possibly hating you. Mm-hmm. You know, like we, Christ gave his life on the cross, knowing willingly that some people were going to reject that gift. Mm-hmm. And he still did it anyway. Mm-hmm. You know, that is real love put to the forefront. You know, not even just dying for the sake of his friends, but dying for the sake of his enemies as well. Yeah, you think you bring up a people that reject that gift. Yeah, so you you know you bring up a good point. The first thing that came to mind when we started this part of the dialogue was you know uh, the the bread of life discourse, where Jesus is mm-hmm. is is right uh, b- delivering that message of his greatest gift to us here on earth. You know, in in his body, his blood, um, and, and and especially in the institution of the of the Holy Eucharist, but mm-hmm. to turn to his closest friends. Mm-hmm. So you lose all these disciples that were all about you for up until the point it got a little bit, you know, bit difficult. difficult. John six six six. Exactly. Exactly. Right. <laughs> the only time when the sixth chapter of a book has sixty six verses or more. Yeah. Like, well, gosh. and then you hear right turns to his closest cronies, his roadies, right, and he's mm-hmm. like, "Do you two want to leave?" Mm-hmm. Right. And and I think to your point because I've had similar hard conversations of people that have really been instrumental. Uh, you know, in my family life, um, as well as the spiritual direction to be able to tell me you, you, where you're headed yeah. is not where you want to go. Not where you want to be. Yeah, not where you want to be. And, and can you even, you know, gave me the truth uh, as difficult as it was, firm with conviction <laughs> and we're willing to risk that friendship and that relationship for my salvation. And yeah. I think that, um, you know, for us to be able to to understand that and see that like that's even if right because it's free will god gave it to us it's one of the greatest gifts that we have um he allows us to make those free will choices but uh you can't separate truth from love and i think um you know when and you can't separate right mercy from justice and a lot of people yeah. try to do that right like well I can, uh, loving somebody means don't give them the truth no then that's not real love right yeah and, and absolutely so you can't separate the two and mercy providing mercy doesn't doesn't separate itself from justice Right, mm-hmm. giving giving that person deserves uh, a very deserves truth, yeah. and anything Absolutely. less than that, right, is is a contradiction to to love. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's real justice is giving that person what's due to them, and everybody mm-hmm. desires that truth. Everybody wants it, mm-hmm. even if they don't know they do, um, because yeah. we were all made from truth, right? To and we're all we're all directed towards truth, um, even if even if we're, we're we believe like, you know, you talk about the LGBT community and, you know, you think about, you know, that we just got done with, you know, the March for Life and Walk for Life and and those that stand opposite to us um, deep in their heart of hearts, as broken as we all are. Yeah. They believe, obviously, that what they hold is the truth. Yeah. Right? Um, as as disordered and intrinsically evil and as skewed and perverted as that may be, they believe mm-hmm. they have the truth. 
So yeah. I, in the heart of hearts, I think we're, we're, we're obviously uh, directed towards that. Now, for those, you know, as we kind of wind down a little bit from, from this talk, and I, I do, I mean, like we can probably go on and on and on, yeah. right? Um, <laughs> there's two things. One thing I do, because you, you know, before you got into like the tactical, you said, you know, you wanted to at least uh, show your, your compassion, your empathy towards those that are dealing with the family members or the friends. Um, Any, the same thing. So I would ask two things. One is the tactical advice for those folks. And obviously we can point them to the courage uh, website as well, because there's plenty of good resources to your blog, but any Mm -hmm. maybe personal, um, uh, tactical advice you may give them and then shift our focus to those that are struggling with exactly what you're struggling with and mm-hmm. um, anything to say there yeah I think like especially for for parents mm-hmm. um, or family friends or, or different things like that that love someone who's going through this um, like I know that we've touched on this before but I think like the most tactical piece of advice that I could give you is surround yourself with people um, who are going to uplift you. Um, Because, you know, when I I told a a group of of high school students uh, who I I spoke to this past weekend, um, when the devil isolates us, when he divides us, he conquers us. You know, the most temptation that I've ever experienced in my life was when I was completely alone. Mm -hmm. Um, And you know, we need, uh, surround, I think, surround yourself with people, um, who are going to, you know, when you fall, when it starts to get hard, when you're fixated on the fact that, you know, I have this family member that I love and I don't know what to do when everything starts kind of crumbling around you, you need those people who are going to hold you up, who are going to be those pillars of strength for you. Um, and I think that it's also so, so beneficial, um, not only to you, but to another person, if you are that pillar for another person as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so having that intentional community, um, maybe, you know, again, getting involved in, in encourage, um, would be so, so important. And I think will really be your lifeline a lot of times, you know, because this is a, this is a Catholic apostolate. Um, so we really focus on, you know, the priest being there in order to offer that pastoral care, offer the sacraments. Um, I think it would be really amazing to have like mass together, um, go to adoration together. Um, just having an intentional community, um, focused on Christ, um, you know, because this is the divine physician, you know, he wants to come in and he wants to heal and, you know, ultimately he wants to be that rock. Um, but he's not going to impose himself on you. You know, you have to actually go to him and he will absolutely meet you there. Mm -hmm. Um, and I think that, you know, that would probably be my same advice, um, to people living with same sex attractions is that you need the community. Um, and I think that again, going back to what I was saying earlier, it can be so difficult for us to really invest in some of these friendships, but find the people, um, you know, who want to make it easier for you, you know, who aren't afraid, um, to create intentional friendships with you. Um, again, my, my two best friends, even though they live so far away from me, you know, we make time Mm -hmm. for each other. We make time to pray for each other. When we go to mass, you know, we place each other's intentions on the altar. I really have uh, three friends that I, that I do this for. Um, and, you know, we're very intentional. And 
we make sure to uplift each other, you know, like, what is it that you're really suffering with right now? Um, you know, how, how can we talk this out? You know, talk to me, don't hide your face from me. Um, and really just opening, uh, the gateway to each other, to each other's hearts, really bridging that gap, um, and making sure that we're not walking this path alone. Uh, saints travel in packs, you know, mm-hmm. so many of the saints knew each other. Um, and, you know, I think it's just, it's so essential to stay close to Christ in the sacraments, um, but also have those people to stay close to the sacraments with you. Mm-hmm. Um, so that would be really my advice to both groups, yeah, is no, that make sure you're focused on Christ and have people focused on Christ with you. Yeah, great, great, great point, because the, um, the, the flip side of that is when you have people that are going to enable or uh, encourage mm-hmm. you the other way, yeah. Right. It's like uh, whenever I, you know, we deal with um, uh, married couples. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, you're transitioning and people who are struggling in marriages where um, if the husband or wife is going out, hanging out with their friends and they're single mm-hmm. or divorced and they're, they're, they're living a different lifestyle that's yeah. not Christ centered. It's just a matter of time before, mm-hmm. you know, uh, that marriage will fall and, and fail. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, it'll lead you to a, a grave sin and no different than in this situation, right? That, you know, there's in this spiritual journey, it's like really no middle ground. You know, you're either moving forward or moving back. You're either moving toward, toward Christ or away from Christ. Mm-hmm. And um, friendships need to be looked at the same way. That yeah. they should be edifying. They should be uplifting. They should either make me better or they're going to make me worse. And so mm-hmm. even, even a stagnant relationship, right? Um, even even a relationship that really is more basically indifferent right is one that's not edifying it's not it's not helping you grow in personal holiness it's not helping you grow in virtue it's helping you grow in vice and perhaps spiritual sloth you know you know being spiritually uh uh, lazy so those are you know the great great points and to realize that there's a flip side to all of those right so if you if you the community is important so not it's uh, definitely don't want to be by yourself. Matter of fact, you just referred to, you know, our reading, I think it was on Monday about a house divided, right? Cannot stand. Um, and for us is um, just people trying to grow in sanctity. It's really, really key. Um, so, you know, one of the things, and I, I wasn't, you know, just came to my head as we were talking about this. And I, I don't know if we, it would probably be a whole nother segment. Maybe we do save it for another segment. But yeah, yeah absolutely. But, but one of the things I was thinking about, especially given the state of the church today. Um, you know, uh, when you want to talk about bad PR, um, we talk about all the abuse. Um, mm-hmm. We talk about, um, you know, the, uh, whether it be the, the sexual abuse um, or the clerical abuse, that's right, just the cover-ups. Um, and then you have this division um, uh, between those that um, will make the argument about the homosexual uh, clergy, right, mm-hmm. versus those that are really veering away from that. And you know, I don't want to put you on the spot, but I'm putting you on the spot, right? Yeah. What's your What's your perspective? I know what my thoughts are with regards to that. Mm-hmm. Um, but any any thoughts on because this again, it's a relevant topic to where do you, as somebody who's same sex attracted, right, see that as a problem in mm-hmm. Holy Mother Church today within the 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 clerical ranks? Yeah. So i I hesitate to say that. It is the main issue mm-hmm. um, with uh, either, you know, uh, clerical abuse or like having these priests like abuse 
um, other people. Um, but I definitely, it is definitely a major issue. Mm-hmm. It is a major problem. And I say this because I've heard horror stories mm-hmm. of um, young men um, who live with uh, these. And th- this is also really important, I think, to bring up here, the difference between deep-seated homosexual tendencies and transitory sexual te- uh, homosexual tendencies. Mm-hmm. So deep-seated, meaning that the man or woman probably will not be rid of their desires. Like, they're deeply ingrained. Um, you know, it kind of affects really every aspect of their life. Um, you know, it, it's it's going to be something that they struggle with most likely for the rest of their life. Mm-hmm. Um, transitory homosexual tendencies, on the other hand, means that a person could be rid of them. Um, first, like, I think that my homosexual tendencies are transitory. Mm-hmm. So I remember a time in my life where I wouldn't have even considered uh, being attracted to another woman in that way, um, or, or in a in a sexual or romantic way at all, mm-hmm. um, it was something that developed over time, mm-hmm. and even something where it's very strong now. I still think that with you know good Christian therapy, not conversion therapy, because conversion therapy is not therapy at all. Um, with good therapy, counseling. Um, spiritual direction, staying close to the sacraments, um, and then just time, time to heal. Um, I could most likely be rid of uh, my tendencies. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that, you know, covering things up, suppressing uh, on a personal level or on a hierarchical level um, is not helping anyone. Mm-hmm. And now we're seeing the devastation that is caused by silence and by covering something up, mm-hmm. you know, where this has deeply affected so many people, so many Catholics, that I don't think that anyone could have ever predicted how this was going to unfold. But now that we see the devastation, now that we see that, you know, the church is really being leveled, um, at least on a, a on a member level, you know, on a, on a human level, now we need to bring everything out into the light, just flesh everything out and make sure that, um, you know, make sure that this is not something that happens again. Mm -hmm. Um, and I think that even on a personal level, this is very true where, like I said, I, I heard from one guy who entered into seminary, told his, uh, spiritual director, I think at the time that he was same sex attracted, was experiencing same sex attractions and the priest told him not to say anything about it um, and to just go on being a priest um, and just never talking about it. Like, do not address it. Just keep it down. Just be a priest. Um, basically, go on about your business. That is not helping anyone. And part of me really thinks that a lot of these priests who abused other people mm-hmm were priests who were living with same-sex attractions and were, to- and were told not to address them and didn't get any help. Mm-hmm. And that's why I feel so conflicted, you know, when people are demonizing these priests because I think that they were wronged in the first place. Mm-hmm. You know, like, they were wronged first. Mm-hmm. And that doesn't discredit or discount 
the abuse that they took part in and that, you know, they actively participated in. Mm -hmm. But it makes it really hard for me to demonize them because, again, I know that they were probably the ones that were hurt first. Mm -hmm. That might not be the case for all of them, but I, I definitely know that homosexual tendencies has played a role in this. Mm -hmm. And again, because the church is so silent about this topic, or not the, the church itself, but on a human level, yeah. because we the are so the silent people about within it, the church, yeah, people like the people in the church are so silent about it. We we are doing so much damage. Yeah. You know, we are doing so much damage by suppressing this and covering this up. And this is, again, this is why I do what I do. Yeah. Because I know so many people are suffering because of silence. Yep. And now we've seen what silence does. Now we've seen what not talking about an issue, what kind of pain that that suppresses. And eventually it is going to come to the light and explode. Yep. Um, and there's been so much collateral damage. Um, and I don't think anyone could have predicted this, but now that we see it and now that it's still happening, now that we're still being leveled to the ground, now is the time for us to rebuild. And I think that we're going to rebuild um, by personal interaction. You know, we're going to rebuild by um, talking about this in our friend groups, talking about it from the pulpit, you know, talking about it um, in our conferences and, and different things like that. Mm -hmm. Um so so important and you know ultimately we just need to bring things to the light um and that might require some really uncomfortable conversations some really uncomfortable um situations mm -hmm. um but what was it pope benedict said that we're not made for comfort we're made for greatness Amen. um so Amen. now that you know we've seen all this devastation now it's time for us to rebuild and i think it's honestly going to be we're going to rebuild the church um by building up each other and making sure that we have a foundation again a friendship um, of faith and of christ at the center and we're going to be able to rebuild around that but it's going to take all of us it's going to take the entire body um because either the entire body is suffering or we're all um we're all trying to build up the entire body that's true yeah and you think you know um if we're all that that point you made earlier about you know the woman caught in adultery and just that call to conversion right i mean this is that time is that yeah. call to conversion right to turn ourselves back to our lord um the one last thing we'll talk about um and i appreciate just kind of your i, I was interested to get your thoughts on that and you know it's a it's an intense big issue for us all as catholics it's it's uh not only causing us all um you know, causing division within the church, it's just calling even division in our own in our own selves, right? Because this is we are part of the body. And so when you when you're in love with Christ and his and his bride, the church, you know, this is directly uh, affecting us. So the last thing I want to talk about, um, and you actually address this in your latest blog, um, is it, because I think this is really key for those that are in a situation like you are who bear that same cross is chastity. Right? Mm -hmm. The 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 whole concept of celibacy to be chased because um, you know that the other argument that folks uh, especially within the church that are trying to promote this stuff like father james martin is like it's unfair to ask avera to yeah. be chased and one of the beautiful things that you said in your blog is actually we are all called to be chased. <laughs> i'm a married man be married i'll be married 24 years in april thanks be to god oh, congratulations. thank you yeah i know i only look like i'm 25 avera but yeah you not. honestly do <laughs> <laughs> when you told me how old you were well, put you on the spot so <laughs> it you. Right. Yeah. but i was like there's no way <laughs> <laughs> 
so sweet, man. I got I like this camera. I like this camera. Yeah. But, but to your point in your article and what we've always taught as Holy Mother Church, right, is that every single one of us, single, married, or otherwise, right, are called to live chastely. And so, you know, th- this even, I think what, what's lost, obviously, is even that word, right, but even how it's defined, right, that somehow, mm-hmm. you know, when we talk about the, the successful integration of our human sexuality with us as a person, mind, body, soul, composite, right, and the fact that it's a governing of your passions, right, as yeah, we do in the catechism, absolutely. right, that if man doesn't learn to govern his passions, he'll be ruled by them. Ruled by them. Right, mm-hmm. ruled by them and therefore will be unhappy and just always mm-hmm. in conflict. We know joy and peace comes from, as you stated earlier, you put this in your blog too, the quote about, you know, the the capacity and the ability, right, mm. to do what you ought to do, right, to choose yeah. to do the good, right? Virtue is the firm disposition to do good. Mm. Um, yeah. So what do you, okay, so that that's nice. You know, we can put in a, we can put a catechism <laughs> quote, you know, we can sit there and we can, we can tweet that out and we can put whatever we want to exactly. put on. What does it look yeah, like what, actually? And, and, and <laughs> what does it look like actually? And, and again, we're not dismissing or trivializing the fact that, oh, it's not easy yeah. in any case, um, mm-hmm. especially as we're talking about being made for love and a desire yeah. to love and to be loved, right? We're made for mm-hmm. love. So anyways, just our, our, as we start to kind of wind the, the segment down, thoughts on chastity, mm-hmm. celibacy, how you're dealing with that as a 22-year-old um, yeah. that, that ha- is human like everybody else and has has that, that desire to love as well. Yeah, absolutely. So... And I'll, I'll uh, just in case, like some people, I think in the audience uh, might not understand this. Um, marriage doesn't cure loneliness, um, and I think Amen. that you would attest to that. Mm-hmm. Um, is that just because a person is married doesn't mean that they are spared from being lonely ever again? Mm-hmm. Um, and I think, like when people like maybe Father James Martin or, you know, just people outside of the church. Um, and I'll have a lot of people come to me with this and say things like, you know, you're going to get lonely. Um, <laughs> like you're going to be lonely at some point. And, and honestly, like it's, it kind of makes me scratch my head that they don't think that I'm lonely now, mm. <laughs> you know, mm. like, but I mean, at the same time, we all are, you know, that loneliness that we all experience mm-hmm isn't because of a need necessarily for human interaction. It can definitely manifest as that. Mm -hmm. Um, But it goes so much deeper than that. Mm -hmm. The loneliness that we experience ultimately is a longing for heaven because we're separated um, to a certain extent um, from the one that we really want to be with, the one that created us for himself. you know, St. Augustine, his confession says, Lord, you have made us for thyself. Mm-hmm. Um, and our soul and our hearts are restless till they rest in thee. I mean, we can get some of that rest on earth, but not all of it. Mm-hmm. You know, if we were perfectly content on earth, we would want to stay here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like we wouldn't want to go anywhere. Mm-hmm. Um, but ultimately, you know, we want heaven. We desire heaven. Um, so we're uncomfortable here. That loneliness rubs against us here um, because we don't want to be here. You know, we don't want to stay here. Um, all of us long for heaven, even if we don't necessarily understand that or we, we don't want to face that. All of us long for heaven. 
Um, and in chastity, you know, we are able to govern our desires to make sure that we are walking on the path towards heaven, you know, because ultimately the people who go to hell desired hell. Mm-hmm. You know, God does not send people to hell. People choose hell themselves. Mm-hmm. And what was it? St. Faustina in her diary um, said that hell is a very real place and it is not empty. You know, people actively choose hell and choose it all the time. Mm-hmm. You know, heaven is an eternal celebration of the mass, right? Is an eternal celebration of who God is and his revelation to us. If we don't want to celebrate that on earth, he's not going to force us to celebrate that for all of eternity in heaven. Mm-hmm. He's not going to make us do that because we we chose not to celebrate uh, not to celebrate that for even a small amount of time on earth. Mm-hmm. You know, so why why would he make us celebrate that for eternity? Right. Um, you know, so in that you know, I want to be on a path that leads me to heaven. Mm-hmm. Um, and honestly, my vocation, I, I could choose <laughs> many different vocations and still get to heaven. Um, right now, um, I, I usually I usually wear a ring on my left ring finger um, because I'm trying to discern consecrated virginity. Mm-hmm. Um, because I think it's such, such a beautiful vocation. Mm-hmm. And so many people, like, so many people think that people who are celibate live life without love because they're not married. Mm -hmm. You know, like if you're not married or if you're not in a romantic relationship, if you're not sleeping with someone, you're not valid, Mm -hmm. you know, in the culture that we live in. So the fact that I would choose never to sleep with someone is mind boggling to so many people. I I go to lunch with a friend of mine from, from middle school uh, pretty frequently. And he's just, he does not understand why, I would not have sex with another person for the rest of my life. He does not get it. Um, because like in our culture, the highest form of love that we can experience is sexual love. Because I mean, to us, it feels the strongest, mm-hmm. you know, in, in our, in the society that we live in, you know, it's, it's so overwhelming at times and we think that we can't live without it. Um, but I, I'm reading a book um, by Father Thomas Dubay called And You Are Christ, talking about uh, consecrated virginity mm-hmm. um, and just what it means to, to have that vocation. And one of the most beautiful things that he said was that celibate virgins, they set themselves apart um, to gaze on the beauty of the Lord, quoting uh, Psalm 274. Uh, and I, I love the idea of being able to set myself apart specifically to let the Lord ravish me in a way that he couldn't do if I have a family to take care of, if I have a husband who needs fed <laughs> and I have children to make sure that they don't break all my bases in the house. <laughs> right. and just, like, just different things like that, you know? Yeah. Um, if I have a family, you know, I lay my life down for them. You know, my husband, he lays his life down for me. We lay our life down for our children. Mm. Um and I just don't have the time to set myself apart um, in order to like let the but just let the Lord ravish me in that way. Mm-hmm. Um, but even being married, and I'm sure you can attest to this, is beautiful, absolutely beautiful vocation. Um, and honestly, I still think I can be called to marriage. You know, I'm 22, yeah. um, so I still have so much God, God willing, I still have so much life left to live. Um, and I definitely think that. 
I can absolutely see myself laying down my life um, for my husband. And, you know, a lot of people will ask me, I had a, I had a teenager ask me this, um, you know, how would you, uh, how would you marry a, a man if you don't want to have sex with him? And I told him, if I'm married, I don't plan on being celibate. You know, I want to be a mom, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know. Um, but, you know, even in that, I want to give myself fully to my husband. The, the way that I've heard, the best way that I've heard um, sexual intimacy described, especially like on our wedding night, would be sexual. the sexual act, or the marital act, is the repetition of our marriage vows in the language of the body. Mm-hmm. And I definitely want to be able to repeat, I love you, I want to give myself fully to you, um, in the language of my body. I want to be able to tell him that. And I think that, you know, sexual desire is one that can grow over time. When I get to know him and I, you know, learn the quirky things that he does or the way that he loves his Lord, mm-hmm. you know, uh, that's something that I can be, find myself so drawn to mm-hmm. um, eventually, you know, but that takes time. That takes me getting to know him. That takes me spending time with him. Um, and I definitely can see that happening, but in either vocation, and I'm discern, I'm just trying to discern both: mm-hmm. um, consecrated virginity, consecrated celibacy, um, or um, married life. Both of them are so beautiful. Mm-hmm. Ultimately, it's going to come down to which path is going to make me the most holy. Amen. You know, which path which leads is me to, to yeah, yeah, which leads yeah. you ultimately to to God, yeah, to Christ Himself. You know, which one is the is the way that is going to lead me the go- to God um, in the way that, I mean, that takes me being self-aware too, mm-hmm. you know, like which one is going to lead, is, is what's ultimately going to lead to my holiness, what's going to lead me to God. Um, and it can go either way at this point. Um, but celibate life is not life without love. Mm-hmm. You know, it is life basically engaging spiritual motherhood. You know, like even now, like I, I get to travel the country and I get to speak um, in all these different places. I actually just got back from an engagement. We had to reschedule because I had an engagement right. <laughs> um, last minute. Um, so, you know, I was able to give my time, my energy to these high school students and a group of parents um, who had questions, who, you know, didn't, who had heard Catholic Church teaching on same-sex attractions, but had never seen it lived out. Mm-hmm. You know, I had never seen it talked about by someone who actually lives with same-sex That's right. I was able to engage my spiritual motherhood in that way um, and give my time, serve other people. Um, and I was able to love them, you know, for, the, for that short period of time when I was able to be face-to-face with them, when I was able to go to Mass and offer up their intentions on the altar. And, you know, that's not a life without love. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just that love might take a different form. That's right. You know? So ultimately, well, it's either or. Well, and I think that's you. You said so many beautiful things in that in that articulation. So I appreciate that, and I hopefully the viewers and the listeners from um, both our audiences can can see some. Um, there's a lot of nuggets there that you put out there because I think, you know, even in marriage, as you relate, as you uh, kind of talked about that, you know, people can be lonely in marriage, and, yeah. and part of the one of the things that both my wife Nicole and I have learned across um, our own journey in marriage is that. You know, one of the biggest mistakes that people make is they deify 
their spouse and they deify their children. <laughs> that what they're looking for is perfection in all of those and you're going to be disappointed 100% of the time. And really what you're looking for in them, you should be seeking in God. And that's why yeah. our marriage, right? Our marriage should be Christ-centered. Our family life should be Christ-centered. Um, I'm called to be chaste just as much as you're called to be chaste and, 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 and all of that, regardless of the vocation, that um, I need to be... Um, uh, self-aware and grow in self-knowledge and, and requires humility to be able to understand what is the best path for me that God is calling me to, to get back to him. Right. That in, 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 so a lot of, a lot of great stuff there, a lot. And this is such a great time together Avera, And I appreciate you opening up your heart, your life, um, your, just your overall story, your encouragement to not just those that are same-sex attracted, definitely that's the key, um, and those who are dealing with, with loved ones, but also to just, just people and, and, and people like myself in the church that are, um, you know, need, every, so, every so often we need that little shot in the arm, and when we can get, yeah. get a, a young adult like yourself who is trying to bear witness to, to Christ crucified and what it means to be holy in a world that says that's a bunch of hogwash and, you know, um, that we just live in this culture of death and you're speaking life into that. Um, I am super grateful that, um, that you're doing what you're doing. So that being said, how can people find you, uh, you know, on all your social media handles and, and, and what's your website so we can get them connected with you as well? Yeah, so my website is imhohblog.com. It's inside my Holy of Holies blog.com. Um, you can follow me on Twitter at Diary476. You can follow me on Instagram at Avera Maria Santo um, on there. And then uh, if any of you would like to have me out at an engagement, uh, come speak to your teens, uh, young adults, or uh, even the parents. The parents are kind of my favorite at this at this point. Um, I will I will give a John, the links to my uh, my agent's information. You can call him, send him an email, and ask uh, to have me out, and he would love to connect with you. Um, so, and I am booking up fast, so I, I will say that uh, hop on that as soon as, soon as you can. <laughs> Well, my sister, I appreciate uh, all that you're doing for Holy Mother Church, all that you're doing for um, uh, for even people like myself and just spending your time to try to bring truth and light to uh, the world and especially in this area of same-sex attracted and how to live a chaste and holy life. Um, I uh, am, am blessed to be on the same speaker's bureau with you and, and uh, appreciate your time this morning. So may God continue to bless you and your apostolate and your family and all your loved ones and continue to give you his grace and wisdom and strength as we move forward so uh many blessings to you and to uh those you love and uh thank you for joining me today thank you for having me god bless, god bless. true faith real talk don't forget to like and subscribe to the show continue the conversation online visit johnsublon.com until next time get holy or die trying godspeed, godspeed.